0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Hi there, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. I am joined by my good buddy, Ryan Boyer. Today is Monday, October 16th. And we, of course, are going to be talking about some league championship series. We've got two games done in the American League. We have no games played in the NL. Ryan, real quick, I want to ask you this. Does that bother you at all? This is specifically something that happens in the NBA that drives me insane. They will start another round before another round is finished.
2: Should should that even
1: kind of matter?
2: It's a little weird. I mean especially like as you mentioned one series has two games completed before they don't even start. So, I mean couldn't couldn't they at least like give the National League the earlier start just to kind of Sure. That? but I mean I guess that's just they you know the AL already got the the prime slot so they're going to give it to the NL this time so there's It all comes back to the the broadcasting and the TV dollars, my friend.
1: Does that matter in sports? Oh, Is that a big thing?
2: I, I, I feel like the owners like money. Oh, huh. huh. uh, uh, that you know. On a, on a little bit of a tangent, but kind of related. Uh, please, haven't by the way uh, check out. Uh, it, it, it won't be difficult to find. I don't think the video of, of Trevor May on a he uh, did a little cast earlier. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Trevor May, surprisingly retired, Yeah, Um, seemed like he had a little bit left, but decided to go out on his own terms, as he put it. Um, And he was doing a live stream tonight and had some had some choice words for the owner of the team he most recently played for. Uh, I'll just let you all check that out for yourself. But they were uh, they were interesting.
1: You know what's weird, Ryan, is we were talking off air about I I joked with you about something being thinly veiled. Nothing thinly veiled about that one, my friend. Nothing thin. Nothing thinly veiled. He's <laughs> no context
2: he's, needed. He's it no was, longer employed by a major league baseball team, and he's out of you-know-what to give.
1: Good for him. Uh, exactly. <laughs> speaking of Trevor May and the Oakland Athletics, in no way, other than the fact they play in the same division as these two teams, Let's start with the ALCS because we do have two games completed. And at least somewhat surprisingly, both of those games are won by the Texas Rangers. Uh, we'll talk about the most recent one because that's the easiest. Uh, Rangers win 5-4 to four buoyed by a four-run first inning, and they are able to hold on. Um, how surprised are you by this result?
2: Well, given the fact that the Astros – we're wearing those absolutely just abhorrent uniforms tonight. <laughs> Jersey tops, I should say. Yeah, the pants were fine. I just, gosh, I wish it didn't bother me so much. But I, I just, I think they wore those in Game Seven when they last year too in the World Series. I think so. I don't know if they. I don't know if they're just super comfortable. I feel like I remember hearing at one point that Framer really likes to pitch in them. Which I yes. mean, I guess if you're the if you're the starting pitcher, it didn't really work out too well for him tonight. But yeah, I mean, you're in the you're in the LCS. You're not you know playing a split split squad game on March 14th in those uniforms. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> no, yeah. Way. So Astros drop another one at home. They were like four or five games below 500 at home this year.
1: 39 is- and 42.
2: Kind of strange. Um, I can't really read anything into that. I just think it's pretty fluky more than anything else. But I think it probably just speaks to you know as good as the Astros looked last round. You know, and I picked them on our podcast a couple weeks ago, kind of without much confidence. I picked them to come out of the the AL. Just mm-hmm. I didn't really love the potential of any of those teams to, you know, stand out from the rest. But yeah, they're they're vulnerable, um, obviously, and the Rangers man, undefeated so far this postseason after looking like the best team on earth for, what, two months and then like garbage for a couple months and then they figure it out at the right time. And they got Max Scherzer coming back for game three. I feel like I'm
1: just bouncing all over the place. So so please land this plane for us. No, I I that plane's gonna be circling for a little while because it's just like this is really interesting to me because the matchup of Houston against Texas, if you look at it like the home away thing, Houston 39 and 42 at home, 39 and 42 at home. Not good. I don't know if it says a whole lot, like you said. It's more about the fact that They were about a 90-win team, and it just so happened that 39 of those wins came at home. Texas, a 40-41 and team, obviously the much better team at home. I I think this series, I think the Astros are in some real trouble. And I think uh, it goes probably without saying is that game three is the one you absolutely have to have. Absolutely have to have. And I'm going to be really curious to see what kind of leash uh, Scherzer has to make his – um postseason debut with the Rangers obviously appeared in a few postseason games before this I don't think there'll be any nerves on that guy's uh on that guy's mind but his first start in a long time I don't think he's started a game since like September 16th something along those lines it's been a while I'm gonna be curious to see how long of a leash they have for him because I'm not sure you have to have a long leash because you haven't had to use your guys like um long relief in uh, Dane Dunning and Andrew Heaney and those type of guys. You can go to those guys now. And if Scherzer's at his best, and it won't shock me one bit if he is, like there may be some uh, command issues early on, if he's at his best, this Astros team is really, really, really in trouble because they just don't seem to have, and it's easy to say in hindsight that they've just lost two games, But even then, that series against the Twins and watching this team all year, it's not the same team as last year. It just absolutely isn't. Can they still win this series? Absolutely. Can they still win the World Series? You bet, because they have some players like Jordan Alvarez, who is just stupid underrated at this point. Like, it's, it'd be hard to underrate Jordan Alvarez, but we are. We are absolutely not talking enough about Jordan Alvarez being one of the very best hitters in baseball. And not just in baseball, one of the very best hitters, like, of the last 10 years. If you look at his statistical output and you count what he does in the postseason. but long story short, since we won't be talking you and I together for a while, I'm going to say that the Rangers win this series in five.
2: Yeah. The Astros are certainly, uh, certainly teetering. Um, you know, Alvarez, we heard not long before first pitch, I believe that he's actually been battling a virus, which, Giving him uh, make him made him nauseous and giving him headaches and stuff he did go over four with three strikeouts and like a weekly hit grounder in the first game but yes I mean he Dusty Baker said he had a kind of bizarre quote before the game about being sick and what what constitutes sick and whatever but he did Dusty say Baker were not turned
1: into or, I'm sorry to interrupt you Dusty yeah. Baker turned into an SEC football coach. So fast that we didn't even notice it.
2: Uh, You know, Nick Saban over there. Yeah, whatever whatever Jordan was feeling in game one, he certainly looked healthy in game two. I mean, that wasn't even like I know Smoltz, which we can probably have an entire podcast episode about about John Smoltz, but (laughs) he commented about how the it looked like kind of a get-me-over slider to Alvarez, but I mean, if you look at like the the tracking of the pitch, it really wasn't that bad of a pitch. No. Like, just anytime Alvarez can get his hands extended. I mean, I, there was a tweet I saw that it's the longest or the hardest hit ball a lefty has ever hit off of Aroldis Chapman during the, the stack cast era, like 110.5 miles per hour. He's just – it's just when you – have the kind of power he does and you just combine it with elite play discipline as well, I mean, the guy never strikes out. Like, it's just, yeah. just crazy good. But yeah, getting back to Scherzer, which I think is, I guess, the big storyline heading into game three and the fact that the Astros are just going to try to keep this their heads above water in general. Scherzer is, it went down in mid-September with a what was it, a Terrace major shoulder strain, something like that. Given eight to 12 weeks timetable. But of course, this is a guy who's uh, kind of renowned for his, his work ethic, his uh, yes. mentality. Um, so I don't think anybody's totally stunned that he's going to make it back in like five weeks. Um, what is his leash going to be? I know he had a 60 pitch, I believe, simulated game last week. I don't know if he's had anything else since then. I I would assume probably not. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on quote-unquote regular rest if it was an extended side session. Um, So, you know, maybe they can get five, six in the best-case scenario out of him. But as you mentioned, they don't really have to get length out of him. Their bullpen is well-rested. I don't know how many people in that pin, Bruce Bochy trusts. Um, I think it was Travis Sawchuk that tweeted out is once again, the, the the phrase of the night, not so thinly veiled shot at John Smoltz, that uh, this is the reason why the Rangers quote unquote trust their starting pitching because they just don't trust their bullpen.
1: Right. Uh, that that yeah. was when
2: Jose Leclerc walked the, Chapman gave him a home run. Kirk walked the first two guys he faced. So. Sure. Which he he did end up getting out of it. And kudos to him. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they get out of Scherzer. Um, I'm with you. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he looks terrific. The Astros don't know what they're going to get out of Christian Javier. He had a couple good starts at the end of the season, but he's really had a an up and down season overall. So but obviously, pretty much a must-win game here. I always yeah. think back to that. I don't know if you've seen the, that Brian Regan uh, thing about must-win games. Um, yes. Yeah. Just basically, it's, it's it's a math problem. I mean, <laughs> that, for, once I just want to see a guy answer it honestly. Is this a must-win game? No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, don't want to <laughs> lose, but yes. that's not what you asked, now is it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. yeah
2: yeah yeah so no we're gonna, gonna head back to uh head to arlington and for game three and it pretty much is a must-win game
1: and so yeah. the one thing that we were talking about home and road stuff i will think say one thing that the astros do have in their advantage and i do think there's some realness to this is that christian javier has been a lot better on the road this year than he has been at home and i think some of that might be a psychological thing, not having to pitch with that just stupid left field fence. You know, I think that can get in some pitchers' heads. I think there actually might be something to that. Um, so I do give them, I mean, they've got a great chance. They, there's no question about that. And if there's any team, uh, when you go to this many ALCS in a row, I, I don't think you can say any moment is too big for a team like this. And the yeah. fact that Javier has pitched so much better on the road, I think gives them some hope. Uh, Nathan valdi six innings of three-run baseballs. Nine baseballs. There were a lot of baseballs pitched. Six innings of three run baseball, nine strikeouts, one walk. He does give up a couple of solo homers. I think his line kind of is misleading with how well he pitched in this game, Ryan. And he's just looked fantastic in the postseason. And this is not new for him. Ivaldi has pitched well in postseasons before. He had a really great start to this year. So let's say uh we consider starting pitchers one through two, ranking one through 24. How confident are you of Nathan Ovaldi being one of the top twenty-four starters in twenty twenty-four?
2: Oh gosh, um, top twenty-four. You know, you, you or let me rephrase
1: it. Let me rephrase it while you're thinking.
2: What's what's the what's the rating scale? Did you say?
1: I, I, here's what I'll ask: How confident are you in your fantasy staff? If Nathan Eovaldi is one of your two best starting pitchers going into the 2024 season?
2: I'd prefer him to be my three or four. I'll okay. Answer, I'll kind of sidestep the question that way. Sure. I mean, he was maybe not maybe the main reason, or certainly one of the main reasons, why I was worried about the Rangers chances coming into the postseason because mm-hmm. he was not stretched out hadn't pitched well, didn't have his velocity down the stretch. I mean, I had no idea, and the Rangers didn't either. Their beat writers, everybody was saying the same thing. They had no idea what they were going to get out of Nathan Eovaldi, yep. And he's just been phenomenal. Like you mentioned, the the big game of all the uh, reputation is certainly certainly coming to fruition. and It's just been massive. Him and Jordan Montgomery has obviously been he was great down the stretch but nobody expected him to be this good in the postseason yes. certainly i mean it's just been given the uncertainty in their bullpen those two guys have just been it's just been a game changer for them without a doubt
1: i would feel okay about having neovaldi i think but i would certainly prefer him to be my sp3 like i would love to have that ace and then you know to have a, another guy in that Top fifteen to twenty area be my number two, and then Ivaldi be the three. But I'd like to have him. I I think a lot of people forget he's been sure it's an older thirty three, but he is just thirty three, and he'll turn thirty four next year. This is not a old man. There's still lots of good baseball I think left from Nathan Iovaldi. Well, you he's just probably, probably
2: needs related concerns for me. hundred percent, yeah, a hundred percent, and that's and he's going to and... make even twenty eight starts. I would say. Totally, yeah. I'm fine with him
1: as my SP2. And that's a number that he has only reached twice in his career. He has uh, a start a season of 27, but then uh, a season of 33 and a season of 32, and that's it. He made 25 this year, but again, another uh, injured list. Uh, before we move on to the National League, uh, Ryan, uh, speaking of Nathan Ovaldi, will anyone remember that he pitched for the Tampa Bay Rays when he retires? <laughs> uh
2: To be honest, I had kind of forgotten.
1: I kind of forgot he was a Dodger first. Like, I I kind of vaguely remember him on the Rays a little bit. I certainly remember him on the Red Sox. I certainly remember him um, as a Miami Marlin. I actually remember him pretty darn well um, as a guy that I liked a lot, despite the fact that he was like 6-14 one of the years that he was there. Um, But Tampa Bay uh, is one I think people are going to forget about um, real quick uh just like we kind of forgot about them in the postseason but uh let's talk about the nlcs which is like literally getting started as Ryan as I are recording right now is the top of the first inning with two outs and a runner on first base who that runner is I can't tell you but somebody got on uh, Ryan we didn't get, have a chance to talk about this series how surprised are you by this matchup I'm su- I'll just answer my own question real quick super surprised by one not surprised by
2: Philadelphia at all yeah. Um, I mean, I I think I gave the Diamondbacks a, more of a chance against the Dodgers than you did, but sure. certainly I did, I did not predict that to happen. You know, for as many issues as the Dodgers had, I, I still expected them to take that series. Um, mm-hmm. The the Phillies, though, I mean, I picked the Braves to win it all just because I, I mean, I still think they're probably the best team. Could be. Um, but the Phillies, I, I feel like we, I, in so many words, if I didn't outright say it, the Phillies were my second, my choice sure. the second best team in the postseason. Mm-hmm. That's why I, you know, sent a, a tweet during that series that like the World Series really should be decided by a, a 27-game series between these two teams. <laughs> really One month of baseball, man. Yeah. And that's, the, you'll have some, I can have some tired arms and <laughs> – <laughs> They're both going to be, ter- teams are going to be terrible next season if you do that, but boy, it would be. Oh, fun. gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not surprised that the Phillies advanced. I mean, like, home field advantage in baseball, I think, for the most part, doesn't really exist that much. But like, there are exceptions, and like, Citizens Bank Park is an incredibly. Yeah difficult place to play right now. It really is. Um like they're just I haven't been to these games. Like I haven't witnessed it in person, but you hear it, the announcers talking about it. Everybody on the on the on the Phillies talks about just an incredible atmosphere and they're fueled by that. And the Phillies are obviously battle tested as well. I mean they went to the World Series last year. And like yes the Braves easily won that division, but I mean, after the Phillies had like a I don't know what, through until late May or early June, something, they were like four or five games under 500, and then they played like 620 baseball the rest of the way. I mean, they were one of the best teams in baseball for the bulk of the season, mm-hmm. even if they didn't play with it, play like it at the beginning of the year. Um, so I don't think anybody is, is, is surprised that they, more surprised that the Braves kind of rather meekly went down than
1: I am yeah yeah that's my thing too is it's more about you know I asked Drew about this is whether or not he felt like Atlanta won this series or if he or excuse me Philadelphia won this series and Atlanta lost it and I think it's probably more Philadelphia won it but it's like 55 45 like the brave Atlanta just didn't play very well and my concern with them entering the postseason was, it's not like their starting pitching is bad, Ryan. It's just, it doesn't have that guy. All due respect to Spencer Strider, who I think in a couple of years will be that guy. And he didn't even pitch terribly in his start against uh, but uh, against Philadelphia. But those other arms were just Max Freed coming off that injury. And we can't be surprised by what happened there because of that long layoff. And not, all due respect to Max Freed, a guy who relies more on command and initiating soft contact and being a huge strikeout artist, misses more bats than he did earlier in his career. But I keep talking. I've been talking about this with a bunch of people and I have a, I'm not an inside source. Well, I guess it's kind of inside, but I have based on people I've talked to, I expect Blake Snell to play for one of three teams. He's either going to be a San Diego Padre. He's either going to be a San Diego Padre, a Seattle Mariner, or he's going to play for Atlanta. It's going to be one of those three teams. And if I'm Atlanta.
2: I, I didn't hear a St. Louis Cardinal in, in there anywhere. I, I'm going to have a chance I, to retract that or at least, the very, at the very least, add a fourth team. So please,
1: you have a fourth. Yeah, I'll, I'll. you know what? St. Louis can be mystery team, too. But I will go ahead and predict okay. right now, based on what I have heard, that Blake Snell, not Ian Snell. Good job, Chris. He didn't say Ian Snell. Will play for one of those three teams. And I think he in Atlanta makes a ton of sense because he gives them what they need. Even even when Blake Snell has had his worst seasons, he provides something that they just don't have a lot of that guy who can give you six innings of 10, 11 strikeouts. You know, they just don't really have that guy. Outside of Spencer Strider, obviously. But Strider's in his second year, and you saw that he kind of pitter pattered at the end of the year. It it kind of flamed out a little bit, and his postseason start wasn't great. I think they need that type of ace, don't you?
2: Yeah, and I mean Bryce Elder game three in that series that was that was just chum in the water for the Sharks. I mean that was everyone could see see that coming, Um, or game game two, I guess it was like game three. Yeah, Um, yeah, I mean. That does make sense. Um, certainly, you know, and Atlanta's bats just didn't. You know, any any team can get quiet for this short of time frame in a in a postseason series. Mm-hmm. Um, the timing is obviously as bad as it gets for them. Yes, a historically good offense that just didn't yeah. do a ton. Um, you know, again, getting eliminated by the Phillies, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it might be flipped for me, like, a, you know, Atlanta, you know, you said 40, 55 45, you know, you can do either, either scenario, but yeah, yeah it's, the Phillies are really good. Yeah. They're going to be my pick to regardless of who advances in the AL. Um, I think they're going to take care of the, of the Diamondbacks. I'm not watching the game. I don't have it on in the background. So if the Diamondbacks are up to like
1: a 5-0 lead already, then I reserve the right to change my mind. It's the opposite. It is 1-0 Diamondbacks on a Kyle Schwarber lead off homer. That is not one surprising nothing. whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, here's one thing I want to talk about before we take a, a very quick commercial break and get into some headlines. Um, this is going to be a series where uh, somebody's got to make a four starter. Both of these teams have been able to get as far as they can without a fourth starter. My guess is, I don't know if they've made any announcements. I apologize if I missed it, but I don't think I did. My guess is it'll be Taiwan Walker against Ryan Nelson is what you're going to see. Who's yeah. a, Who has the advantage there?
2: I mean, Taiwan Walker is on the roster. So yes. unless he's needed in some sort of like emergency long relief situation, I've got to assume it would be him in game four. Mm-hmm. You know, they moved... Michael Lorenzen to the actually is Lorenzen, even on the NLCS roster. I know he was dealing with some kind of wait, no, not a physical issue, but last year, well, last series, he was not on the roster, I believe.
1: Checking that right now him, as we do this, but they moved
2: him to the bullpen late in the year because he was kind of eventually flamed out a little towards the end. But right, yeah, I've got to imagine it was, it's Taiwan Walker. Um, Ryan Nelson's got good stuff, but I mean I don't he has uh and has flashed at times, but I would not want to want to count him on using him against the against the Phillies. Um well, so that would be in essence a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that like you can talk about like it becoming bullpen games for both those teams. I think it feel a lot more confident if for Philadelphia to have like Christopher Sanchez and uh arms like that that you can use whereas Arizona does not have those type of guys. Now give them a ton of credit. That bullpen has been fantastic. Joe Mantiply has looked like the Joe Mantiply of a couple of years ago, which has been nice to see. Um Paul Seawald, who as a form as a former Mariner fan. I wish I was a former Mariner fan. As a Mariner fan of a former Mariner Paul Seawald, I would love to see him get a ring, and he's very much stabilized the back end of that bullpen. But That's the big question mark. Who could have predicted that in the year of our Lord, 2023, that we would be talking about the Phillies having a massive advantage over a lot of teams in their bullpen, Ryan? That is such a difference from the Philadelphia team that we know and love.
2: Yeah, Dave Dombrowski, like throughout his entire career, I feel like he's always had a patchwork bullpen oh yeah Um, but he's credit to him for uh for putting together a a really good really good unit i mean some of this let's be honest it's a little bit luck no one foresaw jeff hoffman for uh, (laughs) a decent prospect like eight years ago turning into like a lockdown reliever all of a sudden but you know Credit to them for uh, scooping him up. Credit to them for promoting Orion Kirkering. Um, I love that guy. Seeing uh, what they apparently no other teams saw. Um, yeah, I mean, Sir, and this is without you know Sir Anthony Dominguez has had a down year, but they oh yeah withstand you know his kind of tumble. Um, Jose Alvarado is just. Throwing lightning bolts. Craig Kimbrell has had some bad moments, but he overall he's had a really Solid. good year. I mean he's striking out, you know, more than 30% of batters, I believe. So yeah, it's and like Aaron Nola, who was been super inconsistent all year. Yeah. Giving them length. Zach Wheeler has looked fantastic. I don't know if they can count on Ranger Suarez, giving them another outstanding start like he did i guess he was so so the last time out but right yeah i mean their pitching is looking rotation is looking solid bullpen looks really good and that lineup is just relentless
1: speaking of that lineup bryce harper also homered it is two nothing at the end of the first inning all right we're going to take a look at some headlines some bad injury news for uh, a team in the nl central and then some baseball news uh One team making progress, one team, not so much, but very quickly, we're going to take a quick commercial break.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com.
1: All right, let's talk about some headlines. And let's start with this, Uh Ryan. I think this is, and this it doesn't completely come out of nowhere, but it goes... From Brandon Woodruff not being included on the NLDS roster, or excuse me, the wildcard series roster. And, you know, that's concerning, but there's a chance maybe he can get on to uh, the series if they advance. And, of course, they don't. And then uh, comments from the Milwaukee front office that suggested that they were pretty confident that he can come back. To now, after going undergoing surgery, it looks like Brandon Woodruff is going to miss, if not all, the overwhelming majority of the 2024 season. I'll ask you two things, Ryan. Well, I think they're both the same question, actually. Has Brandon Woodruff thrown his last pitch as a member of the Milwaukee Brewers?
2: I suspect no. And I'm gonna say that because I mean he's gotta be they're not gonna tender him a contract now because he's gonna he's gonna be due like what 12 million or so in his final year of arbitration and might not throw a pitch next year. So they're not gonna be able to to tender, tender my contract in like the traditional sense. I suspect they might work out kind of like a, a one year with a team option kind of deal or some kind of incentive-laden laden contract. And that might be the best thing for Woodruff too, because I mean a lot of uncertainty with him now. I mean, as you mentioned, they thought They seemed to express optimism that he was going to make it back, maybe for the the division series or championship series if they continued to advance. But got a second opinion and they recommended surgery. I mean, he he wound up making, I believe, eleven starts this season. Uh, Missed a lot of time because of that shoulder injury, right? Um, Aggravated apparently in the his final start of the regular season. Capsule tear, I believe it was that he he had repaired. I mean, that's a that's a major surgery. No surgery with the shoulders really ever minor, but this is no definitely a big one. And you just no don't know how a guy is going to come back from that. Like we have no idea what to expect from Brandon Woodruff. I mean, he's not a guy that's ever been this pillar of health anyway. You're right, um, and coming back from. Shoulder surgery, what is the velocity going to look like? What is the command going to be? We just have no idea. So to answer your question again, my guess, I have no intel on this. And it's going to be in part because I don't think he's going to have a ton of great options because of such, there's so much uncertainty, is he winds up back with the brewers on some kind of uh incentive-laden or like one year with an option type that contract.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to me to see because I do think if he's non-tendered, there are going to be teams that are willing to pay him that twelve million bucks next year to say, "Hey, I know you're not pitching a lot this year. Heck, you may not at all." And now, obviously, it'll have to be a multi-year contract. Like they're not going to pay him twelve million dollars just to hang out. You know, he may be a really nice guy, but they use teams generally don't give twelve million dollars to people to just uh, chew the fat. I hate that phrase, by the way. Chewing the fat is just a weird thing. And by the way, the fat is delicious. That's one of the best parts of the steak. Stop cutting it off. But it is a weird phrase. Um, I, But I can see teams being like, here's two years, 36. We'll give you 12 to just kind of hang out and we'll give you 24 next year because we think you're going to be back. Because let's just be here clear here. Yes, it's true that he's only thrown over 170 innings once in his career, and that was in 2021. Probably would have reached that mark in 2020 as well. But the truncated season, he was on it well on his way, but you know, didn't have to have that opportunity. But it's only happened once. But when he's been on the mound, he has been one of the very best pitchers in baseball. Like his, his uh 70-67 innings this year, 74 to 15 strikeout to walk ratio, a 2.25 ERA. 3.05 the year before that, 2.56 the year before that, 3.05 the year before that. Over since 2020, and really 2019, he was pretty darn good too. But since 2020, I mean, this guy hasn't just been good. He's been ace level. The The Brewers' biggest advantage is that they have had two aces pitching at the top of that rotation, but shoulder injuries, Ryan. This is not Tommy John. This is not a, a UCL thing. This is not um, torn hamstring or anything like that shoulder injuries have the biggest it's this is not hyperbolic the biggest track record of not working out it is so hard to come back from it it involves so much of what you're doing on the mound it's going to be a really risky thing I will guess this I'm going to say Brandon Woodruff is playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers next year I'm going to say that they take that money that they have and they just say hey we don't care. We will be just fine paying him to not pay play for us in 2024, knowing that him in 2025 gives us a massive advantage.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good call. They, they have a track record of that too, giving guys who they know are injured deals like that. And,
1: and they've, they've missed on a lot of them too. Don't get me wrong. Like Jimmy Nelson, that didn't work out. The, the contracts that they've given to, um, a few of guys and oftentimes this doesn't work out. The guys who get the one year deal and doesn't uh Ken Giles, the Mariners signed him to a contract that was very similar. It didn't work out. There are lots of pitchers that this just it's risky. It is st- especially risky with the shoulder injury. But if you're one of those teams who is clamoring for a front of the rotation starter, I think you have to be willing to spend that 12 to 14 million to not play him knowing that next year
2: i can think of one of those teams that's going to be looking for rotation help my my st louis cardinals but i'll throw a question to you you mentioned milwaukee's two aces and that's what they kind of hang their hat on is this woodruff injury does it completely rule out the brewers thinking about trading corbin burns
1: yeah that's a great question um I think it kind of really depends on if they're serious about contending next year. And they should be. I still think they have the best roster in the National League Central. Now, that may not be true for a couple in a couple of years. Cincinnati's building something special. You know, we make fun of the Cardinals a lot. They've got a lot of really good stuff in St. Louis still. And I think Jordan Walker is going to be a superstar. And that obviously helps, too. Need a lot of help on the pitching side. But they, they clearly are the favorite. <laughs> I will say this, too if Milwaukee does trade Corbin Burns and they're willing to go with the Freddie Peralta, um, why can't I think of his name? Uh,
2: Adrian,
1: Adrian Hauser type of thing. Like, yeah, those type of guys, uh, Jacob Mizarowski, who's one of the better pitching prospects in baseball. If you're willing to do that, they can still win the division, but we're looking like at what happened with the AL central is, a pittance of what could be the NL central next year. Assuming St. Louis doesn't like actually go in and I'll ask you this real quick, Drew, Dr- or Drew. Hey, that's what I was thinking of. Anyway, Ryan, I was talking to Drew about this. Drew wants a rebuild. Do you want to rebuild? Uh,
2: No. I mean, it could depend partly on how much they're actually willing to spend, but mm-hmm. if they actually do, spend a lot of money on pitching they could easily go back to the postseason next year. Sure. Um and you know you just really hate to squander like this is the last year of Paul Goldschmidt's contract. Um coming up this next year. Nolan Arnold is on the on the hook for a few more years, but the potentially the last two got the year those two guys are together. You really hate to waste that. They got a pretty good young Position player core. They just need to spend a lot on on pitching. I I, I think they're. I don't think a full on rebuild would be would be smart for them right now. Um, they just need to spend money on pitching.
1: Yes, I I think you're 100 percent right, and I I get what Drew is saying because as talented as play, players like Jordan Walker and Lars Newbar and a few other guys are, there is a chance that this collapses. Like there is a chance that these things are going to go bad, but because of the way the division is set up, this is not the AL West. This is not a, it's like a division where you've got a bunch of teams coming for you right now. There's some teams that have built a nice thing. Like Chicago's going to get better. Uh, like we said, the Cincinnati Reds are going to get better. The Pittsburgh pirates are technically a major league baseball team. Like those things are, you know, in the way a little bit, but it, it's just, I can't do a rebuild knowing their situation and knowing that, St. Louis should operate as a big market team and should go out and spend some money this winter. Um, we'll see how much, but I do think that a, a full rebuild. What? A, long story short, Drew Silva is wrong, and he's usually wrong about most things. Do not follow Drew Silva on websites. Uh, Byron Buxton and Alex Kirilov both undergo surgery. I was impressed with what I saw from Kirillov for the most part this year, Ryan. Uh, Byron Buxton... Not so much unimpressed, but once again, disappointed with another injury-riddled season. This just is what it is now at this point. It just is what it is. Um, how excited are you about their fantasy prospectus in 2024?
2: I mean, we'll see what the draft they cost winds up being. I, I feel I feel like I could see myself getting excited about the taking the discount on Buxton. Because it's yes. going to be there. And does getting that knee fixed allow him to start running again, which he hasn't really done in the last few years? Um, they contend that the plan is to play him in center field again. I don't know if that's going to be full time. I kind of doubt it. It probably shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to certainly going to need at least a contingency plan or two in place if that's if that's the if that's the idea. Um, I just the problem this year with Buxton is la- the past years, yes, he got injured, he didn't play full seasons or close to it, but he showed the ability to be like a legitimate force as a power hitter. Oh, yeah, and that really wasn't the case this year. Um and as I mentioned, he doesn't didn't really run anymore. I think he had like nine slow and bases and 70 something games, whatever he wound up playing. But if he's fully healthy, obviously the biggest of ifs, I could see him bouncing back to be very interesting at in what his draft day cost ultimately winds up being. With Kiro off, as you mentioned, like I mean, he hit well when healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is going to be now his third surgery in the last two years. He had had his wrist operated on twice Mm -hmm. um, and now a fairly, I I believe it's the labrum that he's getting repaired. Not a, not a little uh, arthroscopic surgery that he's, that he's having now. So you just don't know how he's going to bounce back from that. I mean, his draft day cost is going to be, nil so if yeah you league, you can you know throw a dart on him but I, I will have zero expectations going
1: into next season i think yeah and it's too bad because i do think he showed a lot of flashes of brilliance this season um ends with a 793 ops which i'm still ryan not used to 793 being like really good but in today's day and age 793 is a really good on base per or, uh ops and You know, there's never been a question mark about like the offensive talent of this guy. He's a little bit of a different player than I thought he was going to be. He was more hit over power. Now I think the power is actually a little bit better on base percentage. Certainly helps in those leagues. He's a patient guy. Um, Some swing and miss and stuff for sure. But he's a guy I'd like to have if I can, well, assuming he's going to open the season on the injured list. He's somebody I'd like to have on the injured list, knowing that like he has that potential. And I like that Twins lineup, man. Mm -hmm. I think next year that's going to be a lineup that I want some uh, investment in because I think Royce Lewis has a chance to be a star. I think Matt Walner is not being talked about nearly enough. Like, he was really impressive this year as a rookie. Up and down, sure, but, like, that's 80-grade power, Ryan. That is 80-grade power in a park that can make 80-grade power play really, really well. I'm intrigued by that lineup, and I think Kirilov has a chance to hit Probably second in that lineup, you know, when he's at his best. And yeah,
2: I mean, I, unless I'm missing someone like first base, should be wide open for him, it yes, know what they do, yeah, this offseason, obviously. But maybe they'll bring back Donovan Solano or something. But that's not going to be a a, a big uh, roadblock there if he's if Carol Kirillov comes back healthy. Fingers What's
1: going to happen with Joey Gallo?
2: I have no idea. I mean, he
1: showed so much promise early in that season, man. Like it was like looking so good and then some injury stuff and then just a complete cratering as well. And you see, I'd still like, if my, if my favorite team had the chance to sign Joey Gallo, I'd want them to do it because he's an underrated defensive player. He does have that power. He does change how teams manage baseball games, you know, as a bench guy, a bench guy, you know, the, the days of the loogies are over, but it's like, you know, if you do bring in a right handed reliever, like a, a submariner type of guy, you know, who has some splits, Joey Gallo is a pretty scary guy to have to pitch to in like a one run game. But you just can't count on him to be anything more than that bench option. I, that Twins team is filled with guys who are Gallo esque, which is a weird <laughs> little phrase to be saying. But I'm going to be really curious to see where he's playing next year and how much he's playing.
2: It feels like Gallo is going to be one of those guys who signs on, like, March 20th after someone else gets hurt and he gets, sure. like, a one-year $3 million deal. And then he hits 20 home runs and 150 at-bats and then gets hurt. and is done
1: yeah. yeah. It sounds like you've uh experienced the Joey Gallo experience before, Ryan, and uh I think we all have. And I'm rooting for him. Uh, he's one of my favorite players to watch. And uh, the batting practice that he took in Minnesota – during the futures game is still the most impressive thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. It just was. I've never seen. I you know what's funny is I just did a podcast for my channel, uh, my OY, where we were talking about uh, with Christy Lemire about the Sandlot, and uh, it, that scene of watching Joey Gallo hit homers is like those kids watching those fireworks uh, in the Fourth of July scene. Like it, just watching scouts, general managers, fans, just all looking up like seeing where the next one was going to go. But unfortunately, you don't get to take batting practice very often when you're playing in an actual game. Um, The other news here, and Ryan, this is kind of a bummer, um, if I'm just being completely honest with you. And look, we don't have too many team biases. Ryan roots for the Cardinals. I root for the Seattle Mariners. But I root for people. And we could think we got a pretty big bummer of a story today with Kim Ang, who is leaving the Miami Marlins organization. And the reports out of this are basically that she wasn't necessarily forced out, but yes, she was because she was not being involved in these decision makings. I think the job that she has done has been absolutely fantastic, Ryan. And it shows, and look, I know some people will say, get off your soapbox or whatever. Shows we got a long way to go in this game a little bit because if talented people who have done great jobs for a bunch of organization like Kim Ng are being told by the Miami Marlins that they aren't allowed to make decisions, we're in a little bit of trouble here.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I mean it does sound like I mean the Marlins came out with a press release saying that they exercised their side. Of the option but that really just sounds like the the, uh, effort to save some face because it was clear that they oh yeah if they're not going to give her an extension or i believe jeff Passon reported that the plan was to hire a president of baseball ops to a pobo yeah (laughs) a pobo to see the oversee the entire baseball ops department so she would be second in line so especially as you mentioned the great job that she did, particularly at the trade deadline. I mean, she made some great moves at the deadline, um, to not have that assurance of getting an extension and being second in command. She's going to land on her feet, I think. Um, you, she's been mentioned as a candidate for the Red Sox. Makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And, I've seen some speculate that maybe she could go back to the Dodgers and, for a year and then maybe kind of bide some time and then go back and look for another GM job next off season or something. Um, but, yeah, given the job that she did, it's tomorrow's loss, I think, and which and that, that team was filled, filled with good vibes, too, towards the end of the season. Snuck into the playoffs and now not such great vibes today for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and look, I don't know how much I would want that general manager job if they do hire a Pobo, um, to be honest with you, because that team's a little bit of a mess. They've got some really talented players, and a lot of that is thanks to Aang. I think the Jake Berger trade is one of the more underrated trades that was made. The Jordan Montgomery trade is probably the best trade that was made at the deadline for reasons that, hey, just look at the scores yesterday to find out why but I think she's done a fantastic job. I think she makes a ton of sense for the Red Sox who are a team that kind of wants to be more of a, um, not big budget team and wants to operate more with those, uh, smaller goals. It seems like, I don't know if you've heard, they, they traded a guy named Mookie Betts for some financial flexibility, not that long ago, but I think she makes a lot of sense. Uh, on a positive note, uh, Alyssa Nakin uh, interviewed to be the first for the very first time a woman interviewed to be the uh, manager of a major league team. She has been with the Giants for a while. One, I think that's pretty cool. And I'll ask you this I'm not 100% sure she's, I, I think she is a real candidate for the job. I'm not 100% sure that they're going to go with a first time manager there because I think they maybe want to go with someone that has experience. I always think that's nonsense. How the hell do you get experience without being given the experience? How desirable of a job do you think the San Francisco one is?
2: That's interesting. Um, I think in one respect, not great, because I feel like the front office thinks they have a better roster than they actually do. Sure. But also it seems like they have quite a bit of money to spend. So
1: yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. you hear them being potentially involved for Ohtani. Um, Obviously they almost had a deal for Aaron judge. Arson judge, Arson, Arson judge.
1: judge. They had Arson judge. They just couldn't sign Aaron.
2: <laughs> had a deal for Carlos Correa before that, before that fell through. So, and then they didn't essentially did not use that money anywhere else. So they have that powder dry. Um, to use if they if they elect to do so. So I think whoever comes into the, the managerial spot there is probably going to get a roster that's ha- has a lot of additions this offseason. Um, we've seen Kai Correa, I believe, also interviewed. He, he was mm-hmm. kind of Gabe Kepler's right-hand man. I don't know if they want to go down that road after um, cutting... Gabe Capola Bruce, but then then again, my Cardinals hired Ali Marmol after they randomly f- decided to fire Mike Schultz. So, you
1: know. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh I think it's certainly more um appealing than like the Angels job. You know, that job is a absolute mess. Unless uh hey, they get Shelby of Tani back, it becomes a lot more intriguing just because, you know getting to decide how you uh, deploy a talent like that. And even though knowing you won't be able to pitch him next year over the next couple of years, that makes the job a heck of a lot more interesting, but if he's gone, uh, I think I would definitely rather have the giants job, but it's going to really be interesting to see um, what they do. And I, I hope more teams give uh Nick a shot because she's a very, very smart woman who has done a really good job that the reports have always been glowing about her. She's a great clubhouse leader um i really hope that more teams give her a look i wouldn't be shocked if she interviews with for the angels job as well that just uh makes a lot of sense but uh i don't know i keep shaking my head about the ang thing because <laughs> i i just think she's done such a brilliant job and the fact that they uh, an organization that has been that terrible but still bo- bo- boggles my mind that they've won two world series despite the decision making that they've made but um I don't know, Ryan. It, it, it's just kind of a bit of a bummer for me.
2: Yeah, I hear you, buddy. Kind of a yeah. kind of a one step forward, two steps back situation. Yeah. But uh, hopefully, That's... they hopefully that will rectify that. I don't know if uh, you know Nakin will wind up getting the getting the job with the Giants. But as you mentioned, you know, I know I mentioned before that I didn't think that the Giants roster is as good as front office thinks it is but yeah she reportedly had like a huge hand in, uh you know 2021 when they just seemingly came out of nowhere and won what 107 games like yeah one of her primary duties was to get like it gave Kepler essentially got every matchup he wanted that season it seemed like, mm-hmm. like he did a great job playing those matchups she reportedly was like a huge hand in prepping like those guys who weren't starting but we're gonna come off the bench and sure get a half game in and stuff like that so
1: and that's massive I mean it, it's a little different now with uh the designated hitter but that stuff really matters and having people who have not only the intel on that type of thing but the ability to have players ready for those situational moments which in baseball are just so huge this has not been the most Exciting postseason uh, in terms of like one run games and stuff like that, but you still see how important those situational matchups can be. I'm wishing her a lot of luck and I'm wishing the Marlins to uh, stub their toe, but hey, at least they didn't have a general manager say that their goal is to win 54% of the time. Thank you so much for listening to the of wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore MILB. You can follow Ryan on Twitter. And, yes, we're still calling it Twitter at Ryan P. Boyer. Please make sure you're following all of our social media stuff, checking out our podcasts, uh, especially on YouTube. The NFL stuff is great. The NBA stuff getting started as well. Getting excited for an NBA season. Save our Sonics. But looking forward to that. And hockey, Kraken, come on, win a game for me, please. And thank you. Stay tuned next week. It'll be me and that Drew Silva guy that I just trashed for 45 minutes, but we'll make the best of it. Have a good one, everybody.